Whew, all right, well, now somehow I have to preach after all of this. Thank you, Jesus. Well, uh, as the leadership team prayed about this fall and venturing into this fall, uh, we knew that we had our, our 50th anniversary coming up. And, and so in October and November, uh, pretty much everything is going to be focused on that and what the Spirit of God wants to do as, as, as we move into a, a next season of 50 years. But then we still had September, and we said, well, what are we going to do in September? And so as we prayed, we really felt the impression of the Lord that we were going to take the month of September and focus it on family and, and family discipleship and celebrating families and equipping families, hence why we did dedications today. And don't worry, we have more dedications next Sunday and maybe even more the Sunday after that. So we're going to continue to dedicate all of these little ones that we've missed these last couple of years. Uh, also, in our focus on family and family discipleship, this Friday night, September 9th, is going to be our first family cruise night. And, and so we want to uh, encourage all of our families, anybody who's got little ones ages 2 to 5th grade, um, that we're going to come together for family discipleship one Friday night a month. And, and so you can register for that. Uh, you can get the shirt so your whole family has the matching family cruise night shirts. And uh, you can do all of that on our website or, or get the information from the table back there. But uh, uh, this whole month is just going to be about celebrating family discipleship and what it means to raise up the next generation. And so if you're here and you've got kids, then obviously this is going to apply to you very specifically. Maybe this is going to apply to you because now you're in the season of your life where you're influencing your grandkids. And what does it mean to pour into your grandkids? Uh, but even if you're here, maybe you're single, maybe you're married, maybe you don't have children, whatever the case may be, um, I believe that whether it's uh, for your future or whether it's for your presence, uh, that the Word of God is, is going to be effective for all of our lives. So don't feel like, well, they're focusing on family and I don't have any family. Yeah, you have family. We're your family. And we're going to rejoice together. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, uh, this teaching series, we are calling it Master Builders. Master Builders. And we take this from 1 Corinthians 3.10. And so that's where we're going to start. I want to uh, uh, read this passage and talk about the foundation of what it means to be Master Builders. And then we're going to try to equip you with three things over the next three Sundays that are going to help enhance our family discipleship. So that's our goal. That's where we're going. So let's read this together. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 10. According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it's to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Right? And so Paul said, like a wise master builder. And so that word wise in the Greek actually means skillful. Right? And so he says, like a skillful master builder. And so that's what we want to be within our families, within our marriages, with our children, with our grandchildren. We want to be skillful in building up the next generation. But let's be honest. 
There was no exam to figure out if you were prepared to have a baby, right? Right? I mean, if you're going to get a driver's license, you got to take driver's training. you got to get your practice hours in, and then you go take an exam, and then they give you your license and say, now you can drive. But when it comes to parenthood, it's just like, here's the baby. <laughs> and so when we start talking about being skillful parents, it's just like, God just gave us a baby, and I have no idea what to do with it. God has just entrusted me with a human life. What was God thinking? So I think it's important when we talk about being skillful as parents that we go back to the very first thing Paul said, which was according to the grace of God. Listen, it is only by God's strength and unmerited favor that we can be skillful and successful at parenting, right? So this is not us standing up here and saying that we've got something figured out. This is us standing up here and saying we've journeyed in the grace of God. And we've gotten a lot of stuff wrong, but by God's grace, we didn't kill any of our kids. And one of them actually made it out of the house, right? But so what is it going to take to be skillful? It's going to take the grace of God, lots and lots of the grace of God. And then Paul said this. He said, the first thing I did is I laid a foundation. And that foundation, it was Jesus and nothing else right? He says that's the only foundation we can lay. Somebody else can come in and try to put a new foundation, but it's not going to work. The only foundation is Jesus. We've got to start there when it comes to our children and our grandchildren. We have to lay the foundation of Jesus, and that means Jesus the person and the gospel, right? So the gospel is we've got to tell them about Jesus, but we don't want to just tell them about Jesus. We want to introduce them to Jesus, when Andrew was four years old, we were camping in Nehalem Bay, Oregon, right? So just this beautiful beachfront campground. And uh, it was the last morning we were getting ready to leave. And Andrew and I just went on a father-son hike. And so we hiked around some of the dunes and the hills. And, and then we came out on the beach. And we sat on this giant log, this giant piece of driftwood. And we sat on the beach. And I shared the gospel with my four-year-old son. And he made the decision to give his life to Jesus. And we prayed right there. And I will never forget the place we were when my son gave his life to Jesus. We lay the foundation first. We make sure our children know Jesus and know his gospel. Amen? Amen. And then we build on it. And here's the thing, Paul recognized, obviously Paul was writing this to the church of Corinth, so he was writing it in the context of that he planted that church, he was the first one that brought the gospel to Corinth, you know, so he viewed himself as the dad of the church, he was the papa, right? And he says, I laid the foundation, and others are building on it. And so we've got to understand that as parents, yes, we are responsible for building on the foundation of Jesus in our kids' lives, but also that others, right? I have always prayed, God, send men and women into the lives of my children that can instill in them things that I cannot, that can teach them things that they wouldn't listen to it from me, but they would listen to it from them. And so we've got to build on it. And then ultimately, Paul says, be careful how you build, right? This is a holy calling, raising up children in the Lord, 
And we need to take it very seriously. Be careful how you build. So that's our foundation of this sermon series. This is what we're after. We want to be wise master builders in raising up our families. And so we need a lot of grace. We need a foundation of Jesus. And we need to be purposeful about how we're building on it. Purposeful about how we're building on it. So let's get into what we want to give you today. Today we want to talk about bringing the Word of God to life in your families. And so we're going to try something new in this teaching series. We've never done this before. So again, if it crashes and burns, thank you, Jesus, we tried. All right, but after I share about this for the next few minutes, first off, you need to know that your kids in the classrooms are getting taught the exact same thing that I'm teaching you guys right now, but in a way that they can understand. And then when I get to the end, we're going to bring the kids out of their classrooms and as households, as families, we're going to sit together and talk about what God would have us do to be a wise master builder in this particular area. So we're going to give it a shot. We're going to see what happens. I understand, hey, maybe a two-year-old won't have a whole lot to add to that conversation, but maybe they'll blow you away by saying something you never expected, right? Thank you, Jesus. So here's what we want to accomplish in this first part of the series. You can see it in your notes in the bulletin or the notes attached to this video or the notes attached to this audio. As master builders of our families, we want to use everyday moments to continually impart the truth and power of the Word of God to the next generation. We want to use everyday moments to continually impart the truth and the power of the Word of God to the next generation. We want the Word of God to come to life in our homes, in our marriages, with our children, with our grandchildren. Right? We just read that Paul talked about you can build with gold, silver, and precious stones, or you can build with wood, hay, and straw. Well, what's the difference? Well, wood, hay, and straw in those days were used for building ordinary houses. Gold, silver, and precious stones were used for building the temple of God. And let me just prophesy over all of us today, none of us are called by God to raise up ordinary children. We are called by God to raise up temples of the Holy Spirit. And so we don't want to build with ordinary materials. We want to build with materials that are only suited for the temple of God. And what does that mean? That means that we want to impart to our children the Word of God. Not human wisdom, not worldly philosophies, not worldly points of view or worldly cultures. No, we want to instill in them the Word of God because our children were not called to be ordinary. They were called to do great things for the kingdom of God. Amen? So Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joint and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the hearts. Right? The word of God is living and active. What does it mean that it's living? It means that it's eternally relevant. The word of God is just as relevant today as the day it was written. Right? It doesn't matter how much time passes. It doesn't matter how much culture changes, how much more technology we get, how much more progressive and advanced we think we are as human beings. The Word of God is eternally relevant. It is just as relevant to every aspect of our life today as it was when it was written. The fact that the Word of God is alive also means that it's life-giving. 
that it actually breathes life into us. It empowers us and strengthens us. It energizes us and gives us the strength that we need to face the day. The Word of God is also active. The Greek word means powerful. It means the Word of God has the power to transform our lives. It's different than any other book you will ever read. It's different than any other word you will ever speak out loud. Because the Word of God, when it is read and when it is spoken out loud, has the power to change the lives of those who hear it and receive it. The Word of God is living, and the Word of God is active. And so we want to see the Word of God come alive in our homes and in our families. And so we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and you're actually going to hear as we read this, you're going to hear all three of the sermons in this series. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and starting in verse 4. Moses writes this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. We're going to address that in two weeks on September 18th. The supremacy of God in our lives. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. We're going to address that next Sunday, knowing and loving God. So then verse 6, we're going to address today. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. And then let's move on. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We want to talk about the Word of God. Right, it says, Moses commanded the people, you shall teach the word of God diligently to your sons and your daughters. Teach the word of God diligently. What does diligently mean? Well, first it means with repetition. Right, it means we got to teach it over and over again. It's not like, well, we did it once. No, every day, over and over again, we've got to bring the word of God to life in our everyday situations that we face in our families. Diligently means with repetition, but that Hebrew word for diligently also means with a sharpness, with a sharpness, almost like a puncturing or a piercing. I mean, the best thing I could think of would be like getting a tattoo, yeah? That when you get a tattoo, there is a needle with ink that is piercing your skin, and because there is a sharpness and a piercing that is happening, that that ink is being permanently embedded into your skin, right? Now, I know I just freaked out all of my anti-tattoo people by comparing the Word of God to tattoos, but thank you, Jesus. Stick with me. So when we teach the Word diligently, the same thing. There's got to be a sharpness. There's got to be a puncturing to it where we're getting the Word of God into their skin where it'll stick and where it'll last forever. The theologian Eugene Merrill said it like this. The covenant recipient that would be us as the parents, must impress the words of covenant faith into the thinking of his children by inscribing them there with indelible sharpness and precision. There needs to be a sharpness and a precision into how we get the Word of God into our children's lives. So how do we do that? Well, we have to understand there is no limitation to how the Word of God relates to our lives or can be taught in our lives, right? In verse 7, 
He says that you shall talk about the word of God when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. So what does that mean? That means that you can talk about the word of God when you're sitting down and when you're walking. What does that mean? That means there's no limit on the activity. Any activity that you're doing, you can apply the word of God to it. And you can talk about the word of God no matter what you're doing. Right? It says that you can do it when you're in your house and when you're on your way. What does that mean? It means there's no limit on location. No matter where you are, you can talk about the Word of God and bring it into the lives of your children. And then he says you can do it when you rise up and when you lie down. What does that mean? You can do it first thing in the morning and you can do it late at night. There's no limit on the time of day. Any time of day. So this means that anything that you're doing, any place that you're doing it, and any time that you're doing it can be a divine moment to bring the Word of God to life in your family. It just means that we have to be mindful of it. We have to be aware. We have to be looking for those moments. We have to be prepared for those moments. We have to be purposeful about it. So that there's a sharpness to it. Not just like, oh, hey, I just happened to stumble into a life lesson. No, I was looking for a life lesson. And when the opportunity presented itself, there was a sharpness. And I was ready to bring the word of God to life to my children. You guys following me on this? So why is this so important? Because like we just said, the word of God transforms. And Moses was making it clear Everywhere that the Word of God would be effective in their lives. First, he said, I want you to take these words and I want you to get them into your heart. Right? These words shall be on your heart. Now, I know in our modern culture, when we think of heart, we usually think of things like love and emotions. But for Hebrew people, when they said heart, they were talking about the intellect, the mind, and the core of who you are your very core convictions, the very foundational things that define your life. So he says we got to get the Word of God into our hearts, into the core of who we are, right? The psalmist wrote, I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against it. The Word of God will transform the core of who we are as we get it in there. And then he goes on to talk about that you shall bind it on your forehead and you shall bind it on your hand. And so the Hebrews took this literally. I think we've got this picture. You won't be able to see it on the, on the live stream, but those of us in person, you'll see what they did is they created these leather boxes. And within these leather boxes, they would roll up these little miniature pieces of paper. And on these little miniature pieces of paper, they would write the Word of God. And then they would put the paper into the leather box, and then they would attach it to their forehead, and then also to their forearm. The Hebrew word for hand also means forearm, right? So you can see that he's got it attached, and he's got that little leather box on his head, and then he's got that little leather box with the straps around his forearm. And these little leather boxes were called phylacteries. Jesus actually mentioned phylacteries one time, and it was, it was when he was scolding the Pharisees. Right? Because what did he say about the Pharisees? He said they love to enlarge their phylacteries. What does that mean? That means they made bigger boxes. They thought if I could have a bigger box on my forehead, then people would think I'm super spiritual. And so they created a source of pride about how big your box could be on your head. And Jesus was like, you're missing the points. 
So this is what it means when it says to put the word of God on your forehead and to put the word of God on your hand or your forearm. What does this represent to us? Well, the hand or the forearm represents activity. It's the things that we do. And so to have the word of God be a sign on our hands means that the word of God is going to transform how we live. It's going to shape our behavior and our conduct. And with the word of God being on our forehead, obviously referring to um, our prefrontal cortex, which controls how we think and our decision making. And the word of God is going to transform how we think. And then he said, you're going to write the word on the doorposts of your house. So the word of God is going to transform how our family interacts because our house is going to be impacted by the word of God. And then he says, you're going to write the word of God on the gates. And the gates referred to the gates that entered into the city. And so the gates refer to our community, the people that we interact with. And so the word of God is going to transform how we live in community. And so we want to get the Word of God into the core of who we are so that we can experience all of these aspects of this transformation. We've got to be sharp about how we present it to our children and our grandchildren. We've got to be sharp about how we see it uh, manifest in our marriage relationships and how we interact with our spouse as mom and dad and how we are purposeful about raising our children. And so now we're going to take the opportunity to see if we can begin to put this into practice. And so, Roy, if you'll call all the children back in, we're going to bring the keiki back into the sanctuary. And this is what we're going to do. Because they're children and because Sarah is masterful at finding ways to help kids learn, is we're going to give every household a baggie. And in that baggie, you're going to find some Legos and a sticker. And what we're going to do together as a family, and I don't care if, if you're 50 and you're married and none of your kids are here, you can build Legos. Come on. We're not too grown up for that. But here's what we're going to do as a family is we're going to build something to hold the Word of God. So you're going to build a wall with your Legos, and then you're going to stick the sticker on it because the sticker has Deuteronomy 6-7 written on it. And then as you're building the Lego wall with your little ones, I want you, go ahead, guys, go back to your families. I want you to discuss this question. What things are we going to do together as a family to bring the Word of God to life in our homes? Right? Moses told them to write it on their doorposts and write it on the gates of their city, but where can we put the Word of God in our houses where we will see it all the time? Right? Where can we put the Word of God? How can we be purposeful about finding moments to talk about the Word of God? And we're going to discuss this together uh, with our families. And so Sugi's just going to play a little music as we do this together. And then uh, when we feel like it's run its course, then we're just going to, uh, Sugi will start the song and we'll close today by singing a song together. Amen? Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you left us uh, the greatest treasure we could ever have. Uh, that you did not leave us to figure out life and truth on our own, but you gave us life and truth. And thank you, Lord, that you deposited your Holy Spirit within us so that your Holy Spirit could teach us that truth as we read your Bible. And so, God, I pray. 
uh, that we would not view the Word of God as something archaic or irrelevant. We would not view the Word of God as something that is, is just an interruption to the flow of our lives. But no, we would view the Word of God as living and active that it would be life-giving in our families and in our marriages and with our children, and it would be transformative in our thoughts, in our behaviors, in our core foundations, in our family and in our community. So God, would you guide us with great wisdom? Holy Spirit, would you speak even through the mouths of babes? Would you speak today? as we discuss with our families how your word would come to life and how it would begin to transform everything that we do and everything that we are as a family. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and start building with your family and start discussing with your children how are we going to bring the word of God to life.